welcome to the inaugural episode of the Beat Podcast. I'm MJ and this is BD. This is a professional basketball-oriented podcast. And it only makes sense that we would be huge basketball fans with all the great college teams around here. But anyway, we hope you guys enjoy this podcast. We're going to try to talk about a lot of current events and also just some really what we consider at least as interesting things about the NBA. Just to give you guys a little bit of background, we're both from the Cincinnati area. Right now, my favorite team's the Cavs. Um, obviously, you're not really supposed to jump around the league, but since Cincinnati doesn't technically have a team, I can do that. You know, so I'm pulling for them. So, yeah, so basically you can cancel your cable subscription to ESPN and just tune in to us now. You know, if you like basketball, tune in and subscribe. If you think we have soothing voices, please subscribe. If you don't like basketball and you think we have horrible opinions and do a terrible job, subscribe anyway. And, yeah, this is BD. All right. Hello, everyone. So, yeah, we're from the Cincinnati area, and there aren't very many NBA fans here. We're one of the few, and we're, I'd say, pretty, pretty big diehard fans. We'll, we'll watch a lot of games and have good conversations. At least we think they're good conversations. So unlike my friend here, I don't flop around on my favorite teams. I've been on Lakers I don't either for the record. A few years ago, he was a big Celtics fan. And that definitely was not good because I've been a Lakers fan since, I think, the late 90s. I went to, well, I guess when I was young, we didn't really have a, a favorite team. This is like you said, we, we don't have a local team. Um, you know, like everyone in the 90s, you like the Bulls, but after Jordan retired... Best team ever. <laughs> didn't have uh, a favorite one after that, but I did go, since my uncle also likes to watch basketball, I went over to his house and the, it was a game on and it was the Lakers playing. My, my cousin was watching with us and uh, I, I asked her, isn't Shaq supposed to be on the Magic and she told me that you know, he was traded. And it was I can't remember who they were playing, but the Lakers were, were winning and by at least, let's say, like 15, 20 points. And that was the first time that I saw Kobe Bryant play. And he had a pretty good game. He was obviously pretty young, so I think he had, I don't remember exactly how many points he had. I'd say probably over 20. But he had some pretty cool jump shots that he made, some layups and a dunk here and there. And after that, I was hooked. I was like, well, I think I found my new team and found my new favorite player. So I've been a Lakers fan ever since. And, you know, now that I grew up with the Lakers, I don't you know, ever plan on, you know, changing. Even after Kobe retires, I'm not a Kobe fan. I'm a Lakers fan. So no matter what, I'll, I'll stick with them. But I guess the, the, the reason I knew about Shaq, even though I wasn't a big fan then since I was pretty young, was from those, if you remember... Those of us who were old enough in the 90s when had those arcade games, remember the old school NBA Jam? Oh, those are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We had one uh, in our area in a pizza hut. And whenever my dad and I would go to pick up pizzas, while we'd wait for it, because you didn't have the internet back then where you can just like place the order online, have it ready to pick up. So you had to actually go and, and get the pizza. <laughs> so... When he when we would wait, you know, bring some quarters, pop them in there, and you know, I didn't since I I guess since I was a Bulls fan, usually I tried to play with the Bulls 
but you know, end up playing with magic. And well, they were the best-rated team in the game, so everybody picked them. Right. So you know, play against Shaq. So that's how I knew him. But ever since then, fell in love with the Lakers, and you know, Kobe's one of them, one of my favorite players all time of you know, Lakers, and so that's it's kind of. And hopefully, he comes back from his injury. And is able to play really well because yeah. he's such a great player. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, don't don't like him, but you know, you have to respect a great player like that. You know, same with LeBron now, who you know, there are a lot of players, people who didn't like him after he went you know, to Miami, but now that he's back in Cleveland, popularity is a lot higher. But yeah. but even in Miami, though, I mean, you have to respect a great player like that because you look after he left, how much worse they are. There's more factors than just him leaving, but... Yeah, so we just wanted to give you a brief introduction there and ramble on about basketball. But what we thought would be cool to do for our first podcast is basically talk about the top 10 franchises of all time. And so it doesn't seem like we're just talking out all of our butts. We're doing a point system, which has been similarly done you might have read about them in articles in the past but this is our point system bd put it together for us and we take in a lot of things in factor but we will also you know we also just because we have the point system we also have our personal top 10 teams so we'll we'll sort of compare and contrast the how the breakdown of the point system worked uh, compared to what we personally consider the top ten franchises, and I can tell you more about the point system. Um, we try to be, you know, as objective as possible, and we've wor- actually been working on it for the past uh, maybe two, three weeks. We meet up a, a, a day or so, spend a few hours uh, together, you know, uh, trying to think of well, how much should we reward for this category, and what should we put more emphasis on, and kind of what we came up with is most of the points you, you earn uh, and we did have one category where we deduct some points so we'll just kind of break down how it, how it works so you obviously get the most points for winning a championship we wanted to put as much emphasis on winning not just in the regular season but in the playoffs especially in the finals so we gave the most points for that you're not up to, but 200 points every time a team won a championship. Then we had 100 points just for making it to the finals because, you know, just look at how good the West has been the last decade or so. You know, sometimes just making it, you know, to the Western Conference Finals and then being able to beat your opponent there is a big achievement. Yeah. And, you know, the teams in the East, you know, you, have, you always have at least, you know, two or three good teams there, sometimes more. They have, you know, the Eastern Conference hasn't obviously been as competitive as the West the last decade or so, but it's not just the decade, you know, we're talking, we wanted to make this top 10 franchises of all time. So, and we also kind of realized that some franchises haven't been there from the start, like the Spurs, for example, they came in, was it from the ABA? Or yeah, a lot of teams, when there like was the Spurs, came from the ABA, Yeah. so... But you know we try to we try to be as as fair as possible. We took try to take that into consideration. Um, but this is our first attempt at doing it. So then we also had you know fifty points uh, for every time you made it into the playoffs, which is you know not easy to do. And then two points 
for every regular season game one, because even though that'll overall add up to more than you know 200 points, say for one championship, but I, I guess you know being able to win consistently year after year means something too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we had you know we didn't want to, we were there was a lot of discussion and debate with us should we make it one point a half a point two points three and we figured I think two is is good because there were a lot of franchises who've been around for a while but they don't always win very many games every season so you know, we wanted to reward those that have consistently you know for many decades been able to have successful seasons and then we did uh, up to five hundred points for franchise players so and what we meant there is you know those are the guys who you buy tickets even if your team sucks you still want to go see them like this year you know the lakers for example when kobe was in there in the beginning of the season right you would still want to go and watch him play you might have a pretty good night or you know when he passed jordan on the all-time scoring list you know people wanted to go see that they wanted to see him you know score those points and and make it past that list, or, or, you know, Jordan himself when he was on the Bulls, you know, you just wanted to go sometimes just see him play, or if you're the opposing team, <laughs> right, and Jordan yeah. comes to your town, even if your team sucks, you still want to go see him, so, you know, so that's kind of what we meant by franchise player, those guys that you know, make a big difference and, and kind of alter the course of the of a team, or like like Tim Duncan, for example, yeah. you know, did, not having him on the Spurs, they wouldn't be as good as they've been the last, you know, decade and a half, two decades almost. Yeah, Mr. Iron Man, Tim Duncan. <laughs> sure. And then we, we did up to a thousand points for a few things, like repeating. So there, they've only been in the NBA a few franchises in, in the NBA history that have been able to, like, defend their championship. So we thought, like, some, some teams have been able to do it on multiple occasions, like the Bulls in the 90s, being able to defend their titles on multiple occasions you know, more than once. They had the first three-peat and another one. Really, it's only been you know three, three or so teams that have been able to do something like that. So not every franchise can say that they've had that opportunity or ability to do that. So we wanted to reward those teams that did that. Another category was, and we'll talk about this more as we uh, talk about the individual franchises themselves, up to a thousand points for intangibles, which could be a whole host of things like, say, for example, being dominant for a long time, like the Spurs. I think this will be their 17th or 18th year in a row that they make it into the playoffs. Wow. That's pretty impressive. There have only been a handful of teams that have had long stretches like that. I think the Lakers might have had at one point like 17 in a row if the Spurs, not if, but they are in the playoffs this year. This might be their 18th. I'd have to check the stats, but... It doesn't matter exactly, but this year when when they make it into the playoffs, they'll surpass that. They've only been like one or two more teams that have had slightly longer stretches. So things like that we're calling you know intangibles. And we'll, we'll talk about that again more when we get into the the actual discussion. And then the one category where we did subtract points was it was up to 500 points deducted from a franchise if you've had a losing record over the entire time you've been in the NBA. So say like you've been around since the 60s and you've won 1500 games but you lost 1700 games. So we thought that you know that's not we needed somewhere to kind of deduct something from yeah. from a franchise cuz that's not, you know, that's not a top 10 franchise shouldn't have 
that or if you're in the top 10 because you've done well in other things to kind of separate you and put you closer to the bottom or where you truly deserve to be um, we figured that can we could use that to kind of put teams where we feel they uh, they need to be in so I guess with that said MJ can start with the 10th team on the list yeah so before we go through the point system I just thought it would be a good idea to give you our personal top 10 just to give you an impression of what we think. Um, hopefully, hopefully give ourselves some credit as NBA analysts. So I don't really have an order. It's just a general, I would say, order. I think unquestionably you're always going to find that the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be number one and two. And you could argue either way there. Chicago Bulls. San Antonio Spurs, New York Knicks. New York is crazy for the Knicks, no matter how bad they do. So, sort of just the way it is. They really haven't... They were great in the Ewing era in the 90s. But the greatest era was with Willis Reed, Phil Jackson. That was the team he was on when they won the championship. Detroit Pistons. I put the Brooklyn Nets on there. A lot of people would probably disagree with that. The reason I did that is the Nets have just had a long franchise history. They were previously the New Jersey Nets. Before that, they were the New York Nets. Dr. J is an icon from that franchise. And when I think in past NBA, I think of, think of the, the Nets. Also, the Philly 76ers, Houston Rockets. The 10th spot, there's so many great franchises in the NBA that could be there. I put the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. They're a team a lot of people forget about, but they had Wilt Chamberlain in his early years when he scored 100 points. They've actually won three championships. I believe, if memory serves me correct, only one technically counts as an NBA championship. They've had Rick Barry, a great, great NBA player. John Barry, his son. He, two, Both of his sons played NBA basketball. John Barry is an NBA uh, announcer you've probably heard of. So that's my top 10, and we'll see how it stacks up against our point system. And Yeah, I, I mostly agree with the, the list, you know, always Lakers, Celtics, you know, 1, 2, uh, Bulls, Spurs, definitely should be right up there. Um, the only team that from the list that I would definitely take out would be the Nets. I don't uh, replace them with the Heat. They have well, they haven't historically been good, but they have you know three championships. Which when we go through our list, there aren't very many franchises that have three championships or more. That's true. Um, so they you know, and then you're know, making it to the finals. And I'm not a Miami Heat fan. That's not why I put them on there. Just because they did make it to the finals four times in a row. That's pretty impressive feat. Now, historically, right, they haven't been great, but I would just replace the the Nets with Miami. And then, yeah, of course, you know, Houston, they had a lot of success in the 90s, you know, when Jordan wasn't there on the Bulls team. Yeah. Like, Two-year hiatus. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, definitely the Warriors deserve to be on there. Philly, one of the best, probably put them in the top five. So, yeah, but um, I guess after we finish our list, I'll talk a little bit more about mine, like the actual numbers. I think we agree most, pretty much with almost all the teams on yeah. there. I might change one more, but actually looks, yeah, obviously I, I forgot to mention the Knicks. Yeah, definitely. 
one of the best franchises ever. They have won championships, been to the finals many times, played against the Lakers in a lot of finals. Yeah. That's a that's pretty good. Anytime you can make it to the finals and play against you know, the top two franchises is uh, it's a good accomplishment. And Definitely. On multiple occasions, too. So we're we ready for the, uh, the, the list. Let's the official do it. List? All right, so the number 10, we have the Atlanta Hawk, Hawks, excuse me, 8,034 total points. Just a brief breakdown. They have one championship, four finals appearances, 42 playoff appearances, 2,542 regular season games won. And I'll go ahead and throw in there that they had Pistol Pete Maravich in the early part of his years. They had a great team in the 90s with Mookie, Blaylock, Dikembe Mutombo, obviously Dominique Wilkins and Spud Webb. They're a good franchise. Yeah, and I was surprised, to be honest. I never would have... I mean, obviously our point system isn't perfect, and we do plan on... This is our first attempt at it. We do plan on later adding more categories and making a a more detailed one. We definitely would like to do that maybe over the summer when there aren't as many uh, interesting things going on in the NBA, like after the draft and everything. We'll have more time instead of just watching games and discussing who's going to win the championship and this and that. But... Um, based off of, you know, we did put, like I said, we did put a lot of thought into this. And I was pretty surprised because we we did this to, I think we had a, a top 18 list of teams. And we kind of put the all 18 teams to this test. And, you know, and I wanted to kind of work the numbers to see if we could, because my friend likes the Nets. He wanted them to be <laughs> there. And I, I wanted to see, like, Miami, because I really think that a team who's been to the finals what, five times, three championships? Yeah. You think that would deserve to be, you know, in the top ten. Maybe. But when you when you what I think helped the the Hawks and hurt the the Nets and Miami even more was that the the amount of regular season games that, that they won and playoff appearances. And I was pretty surprised. I didn't even really know that they they made, they made it to the finals four times, which is a pretty good accomplishment. I think a lot of people here say, Oh, you know, if you win second place, that's not a good accomplishment because number one is everything. But, I mean, if you really think about it, when you, you know, just to make it into the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, that's a pretty big accomplishment, too. Because that means you have to beat, right, two or three other really good teams because in the playoffs, you play the best of the best, right? Or usually it's just, you know, supposed to. Yeah. So just to make it, two finals, Super Bowl, whatever, it's a good accomplishment. And, you know, four times is is pretty good. And also what I like about this point system is the regular season games won really rewards some of the franchises with longevity in the league. Yeah, that's true. So That's where it hurts teams like Miami. They haven't been around as long. And we'll try to, in the next time we do this, we'll try to, you know, take that into account more. So, ready for the next one? Yeah, and um, I just got to say, congrats to Dominique Wilkins for getting a statue. Great, great player, class sack guy. I will say it's a little disappointing that there's some other great players in that franchise history. You were bitching about that a lot last week. Well, I don't want to come off. I like Dominique Wilkins, so I don't want to come off as a Dominique Wilkins hater because I like he's a good he's a good player. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. You're you're not. You definitely have a lot of respect for him. But um, man, I mean, there's just. Just historically, they've had some really great players. Bob Pettit and 
Pistol Pete Maravich would be the other two besides Dominique Wilkins and Dikembe Mutombo that would probably get the most uh, acknowledgement. And it just... uh. It's just hard for me to not see one of those guys also getting the statue. But you never know. They, they could. Sure. So. All right. So we're on to number nine, which are the uh, the Houston Rockets. And actually, when we did our, our numbers, this was so close because based off our point system, the Rockets are only six points better than our number 10 franchise. <laughs> so we had the Hawks at 8,034 points. The Rockets are at 8,000 40 points after we did our, our uh, point system. Wow. And what, what hurt them um, and made them so close was that the number of regular season games won. Atlanta had a lot more. They won over 2,500 games. Houston won, actually. And all these numbers, to be uh, forgot to say, were all as of the end of the 2014 season. Okay. So as of as of last year. So obviously things are a little bit different now. But, but as of the end of last season... The Rockets had 1,995 games won, and um, they had 27 playoff appearances as opposed to the 42 for Atlanta. But what helped them was they had well, four finals appearances, so they were tied th- there, but two championships. And the other thing was where we rewarded them was in our category um, of repeating. They were one of a few franchises ever to be able to defend their title. So they won two titles, and they won them back-to-back. So we had to give them uh, a lot of points there and say that means, you know, to us that means more than just winning one. And then another one later, you know, another decade or so, being able to repeat. Especially, I think that, I mean, the 90s were, were pretty competitive. It's just that, you know, the Bulls were so good, but there were a lot of other, you know, good teams. For them to be able to make it that, that you know, far in the playoffs and win two years in a row, we felt they should be rewarded, and that's what put them slightly above Atlanta and made them um, our number nine best franchise of all time. They're such a, such a good franchise. Hakeem Olajuwon's one of my personal top ten players from all time. He's a class act, and he's probably, maybe Kareem might beat him out, but as far as skill in a low post, it's hard to think of too many guys better than Hakeem Olajuwon. And, you know, it's really ironic that they never played the Bulls in the finals because yeah i would for, like to see that yeah so for those of you who don't know the bulls won six championships in the 90s from 91 to and 93 this guy will never let you forget <laughs> and then in 94 and 95 when michael jordan retired houston won them back to back and then jordan came back in 96 and they won three more but houston and the bulls never met in the finals and that would have been such a great matchup both teams are so good for those of you who maybe question how good Hakeem Olajuwon was. In one of those championships, he actually played a very young Shaq in the finals. Swept him. And personally, Shaq is one of the most dominant players in all time, but for Hakeem to do that was pretty amazing. Hakeem definitely got the better of him early in his career. and Just such a good franchise. They're still good today. They've had Tracy McGrady, Yao Ming, James Harden, a potential MVP is on the team, and of course Dwight Howard. Clyde Drexler, don't want to forget that guy. And my personal favorite player they had for about a season, Scottie Pippen. So, awesome franchise. Definitely. Yeah, I forgot about all those other great players. Kenny the Jet Smith. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, he was a good player for them. All right, so we'll move on to number eight. Sure. The uh, Golden State Warriors, you know, we previously talked about them. They got a total of uh, 8,358 points 
three championships, six finals appearances, 29 playoff appearances, uh, a lot of regular season wins at 2,454. Great franchise. Really, their glory days were in the 70s. So a lot of people might not necessarily have the link to how good Golden State Warriors are. And of course, the franchise is getting sort of a renaissance now with Stephen Curry and some other guys because they're obviously, at this point in time, the best team in the NBA league-wise. But they've had Baron Davis. He he, uh, led the franchise for a while. They had run TMC in the 90s and you know they're a great franchise hard hard to argue with them not being in the top 10 definitely and they were one of the teams that um they uh they did have an overall losing record they, they were dominant for a very long time and now with the steph curry and group they have now i think they'll be good for quite quite some time but they did have that you know those long stretches where they wouldn't be you know, very competitive and they'd have you know losing season records yeah. and so that kind of based them uh apart a little bit from the the next team on our list but yeah i mean three championships is is good i mean six finals appearances that's not very easy to do as as you'll continue to see in our list that's one of the i think one of the most uh, ever aside from you know like the top two which we'll get to later on in the list but it's a pretty impressive franchise definitely all right so number seven and this was uh i was a little bit disappointed at (laughs) this team was as low I, I wanted them to be in the top five yeah and really i think both of us want them to be number four all time yeah but because like i said we try to be as objective but well i guess i should say which team it is the number seven team are the the, the san antonio spurs and i'm obviously not a, a big spurs fan because i remember early in the 2000s you know Shaq versus duncan there's a little bit of a of a rivalry there but i, I mean i like the franchise they're classy and i think you know against tim duncan one of the the greatest players of all time. So, and I really, I wanted them to be maybe five or four, but I think one of the things that hurt them was when they merged with the NBA. They haven't been around quite as long as some of the other teams we'll mention, you know, after after we talk about the Spurs. But I mean, they were one of the few teams in our point uh, system that was able to get up to 9,000 points. So they had 9,038 total points. But obviously, you know, they, they've had a lot of success since the late 90s, you know, five championships, six finals appearances. They've made it to the playoffs 33 times. And now I guess what really what hurt them was that they didn't have since they weren't around as long they didn't win as many regular season games so just under 1900 regular season games won um but one of the big intangible things that really helped them give us give them a lot of points was that since you know the duncan era and popovich era they've been for the last 17 18 years every year you know that they're going to win a lot of games that you can't discount them in the playoffs they're always going to make some noise and not very many franchises and teams have been able to do that win for such a long period of time pretty amazing yeah so that that's yeah, um, when I think of the San Antonio Spurs, obviously there's all the success, uh, but I think a term that comes to mind is inclusion. They're the first team to have a female assistant coach. Their franchise has had a lot of players from different nationalities and different countries. Popovich is a class act. They play really good team ball. There yeah. really aren't very many selfish guys. Like yeah. Manu Ginobili, for example, an amazing player. He'd be a starter on pretty much any team, yeah. but he has been willing to for 
for as long as I can remember, um, sacrifice his individual statistics for the good of the team. And I think that's one of the best things that that this franchise has been able to, for the last you know decade and a half, been able to show the world how classy they are and win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it takes a special type of player to be a Mono Ginobili because you're extremely talented. You would be a starter on any other team in the league, but you come off the bench to give them an offensive boost, and there's very few players that... They don't an all-star team, too. Many exactly. Times. It's an all-star. To, have, to be able to put your ego aside and do that is something special. Uh, not to <laughs> go on my own tangent here, but... To me, one of the all, all players who ultimately sacrificed was Scottie Pippen because he was so talented and no matter what he does, you're always going to take a backseat to Michael Jordan. It's just the way it is. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. Um, but yeah, back to Mono Ginobili. You know, he definitely sacrificed for that team. Tony Parker, I'm sure he'll be a Hall of Famer. And of course, Tim Duncan is one of the greatest players of all time. And, and David Robinson, of course. And David Robinson is my... The Admiral is actually my personal favorite Spur of all time. Uh, he's a great player. A lot of these players, I think, especially in the 90s, maybe don't get the credit they deserve because they went up against... So, there was just so much competition in the 90s, and well, David he, Robinson was amazing. Well, yeah, and, and he and Duncan also were able to beat you know Kobe and Shaq and, and their three-peat. Yeah. Because in 2003 was, I think, the last year that he played, and he and Tim Duncan you know, ended... That Shaq and Kobe's, you know, run or attempt to get the fourth, right? So that I mean, yeah, he definitely deserves a lot of credit. He's one of the maybe their second best after Duncan player. And you can make yeah. the argument maybe it's Parker, but I mean, yeah, for me personally, I I like the Admiral a little bit more than than Tony. But yeah, David Robinson is so good. He actually scored I seventy one in a it was seventy one. Yeah, and the the big the big knock against that is people said. They're going for the record, and it was against a bad team. Well, when these guys have historic numbers, yeah. when are they not going for the record, and when is it not against a bad team? So I don't think that's a fair knock. But before we uh, sw- you know, switch franchise whenever here, also just have to mention George the Iceman Jervin. Great player. Obviously didn't have you know the championship caliber teams that they did later on, but he was a great player. Definitely a very special spur. Sure, and you know, anytime you get like 50, 60, 70, between that 71, that doesn't matter even if it's against a bad team. That's still difficult to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot of players in this league, in the NBA, who would uh, love to be able to get 71 against the worst team in the league. Or so, even, even 51. Yeah. It's not easy to get. Exactly. Right. So, I guess we'll move on to the. And just to clarify, a lot of players in the league. If you can average more than 20 points a game, you're considered an all-star. So Robinson tripled, more than tripled, that number in one game. Right. And another thing you got to take in consideration is he's a center. So big men do not shoot threes. And obviously right. when you shoot a lot of threes, that helps you get more points. So he got to that number without shooting threes. Sure, sure, definitely. Number six... My lucky number, uh, we have the Detroit Pistons, not my favorite team, but great team from the Motor City. They ended up with 9,380 points, three championships, seven finals appearances, 40 playoff appearances, and 2,540 regular season games. 
It's obviously just a great franchise, a lot of basketball history there, most notably the bad boys in the 80s. Jordan rules. Yeah, they're just a great team. They prove that team play wins championships, and they, you had to do tough, ultimate tough defense. tough defense too. Yeah, and they had to do that against the legendary players, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan. So they definitely didn't have an, an easy route. Right, and they were led by the great Isaiah Thomas. Sure, yeah, because because we were actually just talking about this. I watched a, a good documentary about the Bad Boy Pistons. I think it's you can still find it on on Netflix but yeah I mean if you really think about it because everyone remembers the 80s for the the Lakers Celtics rivalry and they you know rightfully so they both of those franchises won the most amount of championships but and then of course the 90s you know Jordan took over but for that short period of time you had a team that was able to not just win once but repeat and go pat go through them because in order for Detroit to be able to make it to the finals, they had to get past Boston, and, the, and then one of the you know, and then when they did make it past Boston, finally, they had to go against the Lakers and Magic Johnson after they beat Larry Bird. That's and, tough. Yeah, and then as soon as you know Larry Bird left, oh, what do you get? You get a little break? Nope. You have to get past Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, so it, yeah. it was really tough. So you have to you know give give them a lot of respect and that's why in that intangibles category we we gave them you know the full points because again another one of the few franchises that have been able to repeat they won two in a row but i think their repeat in a way you know could be some of the hardest because of who they had to get past to do it unquestionably and then of course the other thing is the um part of that intangibles was you know the the bad boy pistons and that image Maybe the the rest of the NBA hated them, but Detroit loved them, right? Anybody who who was a big fan of that, eight, you know, eighties, nineties, tough, physical NBA. I don't think there was anyone more physical and tough than these guys. The way they played in the eighties, basketball will never be played again. And <laughs> they, uh, I mean, back in the old days, you took a pounding yeah. when you entered the lane. There was no. Uh, the NBA nowadays, obviously, they've tightened up on the rules. The, Pistons, the bad boy Pistons, you didn't get a pound, and you got a beating. <laughs> and you know, we're not. I don't want to knock the league because they did, for very understandable reasons, sure. which is another podcast in itself. They uh, tightened the rules up, had to clean up the image, and can't let them do some of the physical things they used to do. But the way they played, you know, every single night, it's it's old school basketball at its best. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. And like, like you said, we can definitely talk about that more as another topic. But if you think about it, when you play so physical and so tough, it makes it easier to injure players. Yeah. And what if, you know, we had an unfortunate situation where, you know, Jordan had, for example, a career-ending injury. And they wouldn't have gotten to see him play. So I, I can understand why, you know, why they wanted to make it less like that and more the way that it is now. What's really interesting about Michael Jordan, and yeah, we're going to go a lot of on a lot of tangents sure. throughout these podcasts, but he had a clause in his contract, a love for the game clause, so he could play pickup games anywhere, and he played in the physical era of the 80s, played in the offseason, and somehow had a long, lucrative career where sure. he had no major injuries. That's pretty amazing. Well, he, he did at, early on in his career. He had a foot injury, yeah. but I think he even came back that year in the playoffs 
if memory serves me correct. But um, before we move on, I'm just going to throw out there, in the 90s, Grant Hill was a great player, and he's one of those players who... Yeah, for Detroit. Injury took away some of his career. Right. He had a career resurgence extremely late in his career with Steve Nash, and they didn't have the team success that maybe they wanted, but individually, statistically, he had great stats, and he's a great player, and my ears stick out a little bit. So anytime <laughs> you got a guy whose ears stick out a little bit, you know, you got to have his back. So, <laughs> All right, we'll move on. So the next franchise, uh, number five on our list, are the, the New York Knicks. There is the New York Knicks. They just edged out Detroit, and uh, they had 9,404 total points. And what really, you know, separated the Knicks out was a little bit from Detroit, I guess, is they did have one championship plus. They only had two championships, but eight finals appearances. And um, a few more playoff appearances, 42. And they won more regular season games with 2,652. And that kind of helped them edge out a little bit. And I think you know, New York probably would have had more championships, but I think a lot of times... They, they did meet the, the Lakers in the finals. They yeah. squared off against them many times and, you know, got the short end of the stick. But still, like we said, it's it, you just you know, to make it to the finals eight times is a big <laughs> accomplishment. And that's one of the big things that made them one of the best franchises. Um, MJ can talk more about the great players. But I guess I wanted to talk about what, as far as the intangibles, why we gave them full points here is, you know, you're part of get to play in. New York, you know, one of the greatest cities on earth. Anytime you get to yeah. play for some of these big cities, that's a plus. You know, just to you know, to say that I'm a franchise in New York um, is is a, is a big thing. And you know, they had a lot of great games against you know, Jordan and the Bulls in the '90s, and they were competitive for for quite a long time. And then I think what hurt them a little bit, and I think it was the same for Detroit. Both of those franchises, unfortunately, have an overall losing record when you, when you yeah. look at their numbers. So that's what kind of hurt them from getting the number four spot, which we'll talk about that franchise shortly. But but if, if they didn't, it would have been an even closer race between our number four team. But you know, MJ can talk about some of the great players that they had. I mean, obviously Patrick Ewing and Sprewell. But... Yeah, I mean, one thing about the New York Knicks, where they've been good or bad, they've always had good players. Sometimes they've just had bad luck with good players. More recently, they've had Steve Francis, relatively recently, talking 10-year right. span here, Starberry, yeah, Stephon Marbury. <laughs> Starberry. He's got a shoe line, I think it's yeah, Starberry something like or something that, like yeah. that. I'm not going to look that up. But uh, Alan Houston, Latrell Sprewell. Carmelo Anthony now. Carmelo Anthony, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Don't get him started by Anthony. <laughs> But yeah, when you talk about like the glory days of the Knicks, there's the 90s, which was sort of the, they're sort of the 90s version of the bad boy Detroit Pistons, Patrick Ewing anchoring the middle. And then of course, uh, you had the great 70s team with one of the most probably underrated players of all time, Willis Reed. And people just love the New York Knicks, no matter if they're good or bad, people love them. Uh, understandably so, it's New York, they're in the legendary Madison Square Garden, and and everyone, when they play in New York, whatever team it is, right, they always want to play a little bit harder there yeah. um, because you're playing in the Big Apple. Yeah. You know, like uh, what, Jordan scoring 60 points. Oh, yeah. Right, against them, you know. Yeah, some of the greatest memories in the Madison Square Garden, NBA-wise, are other teams. 
<laughs> right. scoring against the Knicks. Sure, but but being being you know, watching your team play and you're being able to experience that, even even if you're not, you know, even if you're rooting for the Knicks, to be able to see like Kobe, right? A few yeah. years ago, he scored what 60, 61 points there. You know, getting to see that is still pretty cool. Um, you know, so that that's another plus. Might not be good for them if they lose, but yeah. but still, for me personally, like just watching great players do great things. As a fan. Yeah, as a fan, even if my team loses, if I, you know, I'm a Michael Jordan fan, so that's a bad example, but if I get to watch, like, Shaq with the Lakers just have one of the greatest games of his career, you know, it's just amazing to watch. So I think as a New York Knicks fan, even though some of the highlights might have been against the Knicks, it's still amazing to have those things happen in Madison Square Garden. Right. And that concludes part one of the inaugural episode of The Beat. I'm MJ, and this is BD, and stay tuned for part two.